welcome everybody. It's kind of interesting. This year seems like we faced some challenges, I guess you could say, that were significant in the first three quarters. And entering the fourth quarter, I had thought to myself, self, I'm looking forward to a nice, calm, relaxing fourth quarter where we end the year and move on to next year. And about that time, literally a day or two after that, uh, kind of all of this broke. I think, uh, you know, for me, it's been somewhat affirming to know that, you know, what we're trying to do here uh, in, the, in these COVID closures is something that the entire sector of education, certainly bigger than just the Anabaptist schools or Christian schools, but the really the entire sector is kind of grappling with, you know, what does this mean? And how can we kind of move school forward uh, as schools? Uh, you know, in a way that minimizes uh, the cost to learning. And, you know, while it's easy for us to kind of focus on that, I think in addition to that, there's a whole nother sector out there that comprises the other half of the equation, and that's the parents uh, at home and caretakers that are on the kind of receiving end, if you will, many of whom uh, have lost their jobs or uh, are simply kind of engaging in uh, at least a semi-homeschool model. That's uh, something they haven't, you know, thought about. So, so it's really, I think, you know, it's not this challenge that we're facing. In my mind, is not is not one that is particularly uh, a school challenge, but is also a challenge uh, with regard to our families and and kind of shifting the locus, the primary locus of pedagogy from school building in into the home. So it's a, kind of a grand experiment, I think, as we work together. Uh, I think, you know, the possible wins are uh, perhaps new and more effective ways of partnering with our parents. Certainly, I think uh, for Ephraim Mennonite School, at least a lot of patrons are getting a, a, a more up and close kind of look at the day-to-day -day kind of work that their children are engaged in and, and the work of their teachers. There's a few questions that Austin has sent me here. Maybe I'll take a few more minutes just to respond to. The first question he asked is, you know, how do you teach a subject effectively at a distance? And I wish I had the answer to that. We have, uh, at Ephraim Mennonite, we're a one-to-one -one school technology-wise in the high school, so all of our kids bring, have brought their own devices for the last few years. So we have kind of just moved that operation in, in into their homes. The vast, vast majority, uh, probably 98% of our high schoolers have uh, high-speed internet access in their homes. And uh, most of our teachers have al had already been utilizing uh, Google Classroom. So it was a pretty, that was a pretty kind of easy switch. A number of our teachers had used video recording uh, software already for various kind of homework helps, or some of our teachers had used a flipped classroom model. Uh, so basically what we did is we just, in the secondary school, uh, grade seven and eight, we have a lot of computers here at school, some of which uh, we signed out to families if they didn't have kind of enough at home. And the seventh and eighth graders also are largely using a Google Classroom kind of format. So there's same as no physical papers being passed back and forth, grades seven through 12. That's virtually all, all digital. 
And we pretty much uh, went with the let a, th- let a thousand flowers bloom kind of principle. Uh, most of our classes do some synchronous meetings and some asynchronous. Uh, Zoom is kind of the primary tool, though there's other tools that are used as well, but because of some of the specific functions that Zoom has, it seems to be working the best. I myself teach a class. I record kind of every class we've conducted, much like this one is being conducted. Uh, and then for a few students who are working or their parents have bought food stores or something that's really busy this time of year, uh, I send them the links. And of course, they have Google Classroom and they're able to kind of catch it on their own time. Uh, in the elementary school, we have used a kind of take your books home. Some of the parents come and pick up papers. Many of them, uh, the vast, vast majority, probably 85% of the parents print out student papers. Our teachers scan them in, send them out. We developed a Google website in addition to our regular school website, and we update it twice a week with the assignments and the lessons for all the kids. Uh, the parents log on to that website and uh, download and print the assignments and use the lessons. And then uh, we're fortunate our parents have been very effective at using the smartphones. They take pictures of the work and send it back to the teachers. So uh, out of 141 families, I think we have about 14 maybe families that actually come in on a weekly basis to drop off and pick up things. But all the rest of them, it's digital. They take pictures. Uh, they send it. The aides kind of collect it, grade it, and so on and so forth. So there's very little actually teachers have been in the school uh, during, you know, during this, this season here that we're in. Uh, I don't feel like we have a good grip yet. It's too early, I think, for us to tell how effective it is. Uh, my gut tells me that uh, in homes, you know, where in homes, uh, I'll say it this way, in some homes, I think it's working pretty well. And it's very little loss, uh, perhaps some, but very little. In others, it feels like it's maybe not working as well. I think particularly our students with learning support needs have have really struggled and the families have really struggled to support them in the same way that they would be supported uh, here at school. We have, uh, we have you know, before the stay at home order, we had teachers actually going to their, those specific students' homes, provide one-to-one tutoring uh, where we could, uh, though we have since stopped that due to the latest, uh, latest order. Uh, I, Zoom, I think, works passably well. Uh, it's not the same as in the classroom. So I feel like learning, I feel like we're still moving the ball forward on learning. However, it's kind of come with a cost. Basically, we, you know, I, I read Gerald's email uh, from Faith Builders there about the, the it feeling like it isn't quite sustainable for a full calendar year. And that really registered with me. And so we started knocking off days like, at the end of the year and field trips and work backwards. We're closing May the 8th. Uh, so May the 8th is our last kind of instructional day. So we close about 10 days early and about at least six of those were questionable. We didn't have any snow days. Uh, we got also got our program started very quickly. Uh, we lost a day or two uh, going to closures, but then we were, we were up and running. So we're closing May 8th. We graduate, everything's canceled. Graduation is canceled. Uh, the seniors are hoping to plan a graduation in July. We're currently trying to work on a date for that. 
the grading thing, we are grading. However, we canceled end of term finals. We use a block uh, methodology here for our secondary school. So we have semester-based courses, 80 minutes. And they had one rounder of assessments at the end of the third quarter. Usually we would give summative assessments at the end of the fourth quarter along with our kids taking the PSAT, SAT for achievement tests. So we use for achievement tests. They were all canceled by College Board and we canceled our kind of traditional exams in favor of teachers giving students what I like to call as meaningful student, extended meaningful student work. And then just simply grading that as it comes in and uh, we will give them, you know, a numerical grade, uh, just like we always do. But we're not going to try to pull it. To me, it's too steep an ask to try to give a, uh, you know, a at home final or uh, assessment that's, you know, supposedly a closed book. It's just that's just too tall, too tall an ask, I think, uh, for kids. So. That's a little bit where we are. Uh, I think the jury's out on how effective the learning is. And, you know, if we do this again at some point in the fall, uh, we'll probably do something similar with a few adjustments. We may move more to a, a completely synchronous model. I think that's probably what I would be in favor of. I feel like the, the synchronous, in my experience, uh, where it works synchronously uh, with my classes, it works better than the kids that are trying to do it on their own in the evenings because they're working. Thank you. For sharing, Jacob. Uh, we're going to turn to you now. And um, the thing about Jacob that's real helpful for you to know is he's a very energetic, excited kind of guy. And um, he also um, uh, invited himself to my wedding and then gave me a haircut and um, never came back. Um, so there we go. Uh, real fun guy that we're going to hear from all the way down in Texas. Go ahead, um, Jacob. Hi, everybody. It's nice to uh, be able to gather in this way. I've inspiration and even just ideas from following and watching some of you guys, hearing what you're doing. Um, thank you, Austin, for the introduction. I did my own haircut because the barber shops are closed, which I don't normally do. So, um, so Austin sent out some questions to think about. And I have uh, Justin Weaver, my co-teacher here, joining me. And we are doing... A lot of things very similar to what a lot of you guys are doing. Um, I, I thought to just go down through and talk about some of the things that we've, uh, that Josh already talked about. So how are we teaching subjects effectively at a distance? Um, some teachers are probably more effective than others. Uh, some students have a better ability of connecting with what's being taught. But uh, we've been sending out videos, pre-recorded videos to these students. Uh, using WhatsApp, making WhatsApp groups for most of the grades, and just a few Zoom classes. We haven't really dove into the whole Zoom class a whole lot, um, partly because of just restriction on how many devices homes have available and trying not to over overlog those devices. The question was asked, what, what are we doing about graduation or events? Most of those have been either postponed or canceled. We're still hoping to have some type of a graduation at the end of this social distancing. We're not really sure when that's going to happen, but we're postponing that. Our program that we usually have at the year end is canceled. Uh, picnic is probably going to be canceled, but we don't know, you know where that's going to turn out. Um, one question that was asked is, how do we sustain momentum for students and staff? And last time, 
Austin shared about some different things that they've done that kind of give the teachers inspiration and how they do some sharing. And we got inspired to start something here where we have a private Facebook group just for our school. And it's our Osceola Christian School homeschool group. And we added all the parents. And that way the students had some ways and the parents had some ways of sharing just inspirational things like share pictures of how you're studying today or put out a challenge, um, find a nature challenge and put it on there, do an art challenge and make something out of art in nature. And that has helped bring some connectivity to the group. It helps like the parents to feel like we're not alone in this. We're doing this together. And I think just a little bit of that has helped um, build some sustaining momentum. Another thing that we we try to do is have the parents, I mean, have, have the teachers interact with the students. And especially if we know the students are struggling, uh, we'll take the initiative to call them to video chat with them, um, work with them. We've actually had a few students come right into school and get some instructional time with the teacher. Um, most of the teachers are here every day from 8.30 to 3. And some students, we have the students come in every week, pick up their stuff once a week. So we've had a little bit of interaction that way. Um, grading, we use WhatsApp, just like we're doing the classes. They send pictures, send it back to us, and we grade it. We haven't graded every lesson. It, it, we've turned it to maybe more of a every other lesson or something like that. And back to the uh, closing the school year, We've done something similar to what some other schools have done and shaved off about a week. Our last day of school is going to be May 6th, which was going to be May 14th. Um, it does feel strange to wrap the year up in this way. Uh, the students are probably feeling it more than the teachers are. And we don't know what it looks like to have this in the future, but I've found it very inspirational to, to just know that there's all these other schools out there doing things and we have a way to connect to each other and try to provide excellence. One of the things that I'm really grateful for this week is the way our teacher, our parents are stepping up to the plate, doing something they never planned for. And yes, there may be things to be wished for, but overall, I think our, our parents have done a very good job of supporting and backing us up and helping the students the best that they could. Uh, and one thing that was really inspirational to me from Anna Zare, who was sharing, was to start with the essentials and then um, add the um, add, um, add the enrichments later. And so that's that's been really inspirational to us. And um, we took the liberty um, when we first created our Act 64 plan, uh, which is new for uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, the two things that they required of us was to know um, attendance and um, completing the assignments. And when Pennsylvania closed the schools for the year, we decided that we would no longer need to take care of uh, um, attendance. Uh, we hope that we are um, okay in doing so, uh, but that's the liberty we decided. So took the attendance piece off the table and simply said, every student needs to complete at least 80% of their work for the year in order to pass the next grade. And so we're gonna help students succeed as long as they wanna keep working. We're gonna be able, we're gonna be providing enrichments um, till the end of the year, um, but we're going to make sure 
that the that those who need to pass on to the next grade, we're going to work to help them succeed at 80%. Um, and we've made that clear from the beginning of the shutdown. So we simply said, if you um, want your students to succeed and pass to the next grade, this is the, the requirement that we're having. And, um, and therefore, we simply said, if you aren't willing to put in that time, um, you have fair warning. Um, and so we have about 75% of our, our students who are working really hard, 10% who are working somewhat, and then the others who just aren't. And um, we decided that that was, um, we're gonna be a service to those who want the service. And um, we decided not to beat ourselves up too bad um, if that's not a possibility. We had um, one of the families who was not um, working very, very diligently. Uh, we finally got in contact with them and they said their um, great grandmother has just died from COVID. And um, so we just, as a, as a church and school, sent some flowers and have um, been trying to support them as we can um, through that. We also have a, a, fam a high schooler whose mother is, grandmother is dying of cancer right now. Um, the whole drama that goes along with not being able to have a, a funeral, all of those things, we're trying to help um, as best we can and give them grace. Um, and we are now, the exciting part for me because of that is to be able to have the opportunity to tell, um, to, to be a support to the parents rather than a, um, we need to check all the boxes and get all the schoolwork done. We want to make sure that we can be a support and that um, the essentials of the Christian life and of education are accomplished through this process. And uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, and it's really exciting to see what kinds of enrichments we can provide. And so we have um, resurrected a school reading program, um, which um, if they complete the required amount, which we have an elementary and a high school level um, reading program. And if they re complete that required amount, they get a month of free tuition at the, at the beginning of next school year. Um, and we gave them an extra month to do that because of, um, because of the shutdown. Um, we also have a weekly story time. I think I shared that last time, but that's um, been exciting through Zoom, just having the time to connect with um, students. We have um, been having parent uh, teachers keep contact with their students and encourage them in more ways than just getting their, their schoolwork done, but just letting them know, hey, we're caring for you. What do you need? Um, that kind of thing. Um, so it's been um, an exciting journey. And for me, I just am really excited about what God is making possible um, through this journey. And um, it's exciting to see this, the parents who are really into it and um, who were able to support. So um, that's a bit of um, kind of a, a few ideas that have, have been helpful. Um, the, the question and the reason that um, when Jonas sent out his letter that he, that he shared, um, a, a chord that really hit with me was realizing, um, again, why it is that we are doing this and um, being reminded to think about 
um, we do this because we, we love God and we also want students to succeed and be successful in life. And what does that look like? And, and having that opportunity to really think about what does it look like? And um, so I would like to spend um, the last 15 minutes um, after we go from our breakout room, we're gonna go to breakout rooms next. And um, I would like to spend 15 minutes when we return from those uh, hearing about um, what is God making possible and what's the, um, the things that, that are exciting and, and able to be done as we look at the future. And these, we don't need to have answers for, but to just start a conversation about what that could look like. For high school, um, I've sort of settled into Google Drive. Uh, I don't actually have the G Suite for education. Um, I don't have that set up legally at least. And so I've just been using the Drive and Google Forms, which I use, made a few tests on there. Um, I do a weekend checklist. They go down through and check it off. Um, I also have a spot on there for submitting their assignments. And so they can, uh, well, what I did is I made a spreadsheet and they have all their week's assignments on that spreadsheet. And then under this uh, assignment, if it's something they need to submit, there's a link there. And it's sort of like a, it's in Google Forms. And if they submit it according to the assignment, it puts it into a specific folder. And then I can go into that folder and see all the assignments. So it's sort of a homemade version, but it's working for the few students that I have. Um, probably as far as questions, uh, it was uh, Jacob Peters said they're doing a lot with WhatsApp and people sending pictures back in, which is what our parents are doing, especially for the younger grades. How are teachers grading that material so that they can get feedback to the parents? Um, are they grading it on their phone, on their computer? Do they print it off, send another picture back? Or is it only a one-way method? That's what I'd be curious about. I use it a little bit with a few of my students who are not um, handling Microsoft Teams well, just at the grade seven and eight level. My, my high school kids are all using Teams, but I've got a few kids at the grade seven and eight level that have technically challenged homes. <laughs> and um, so because it's just one or two students, I've tended to just um, just do written response replies. So I don't, I'll, hide, I'll note something or um, like I'll end up retyping what they typed me on the picture to note the problem, that type of thing. It is ridiculously time consuming. Um, and so anything that I end up replying that way just makes me grumpy because especially at grade seven and eight level, because they do have the capacity. They all have access to um, the Microsoft apps and can share the documents with me. So it really comes down to just lack of technical knowledge, hence my grumpiness. But because it's only one or two, I get over it and deal with it. But it's, it's very challenging. I don't know how they're doing that feedback part of it for a whole class. So good question. No answer. 
we use teams as well. And it's funny, even with that, we've used teams all year and I still have, I mean, I taught a freshman how to check his email, uh, like in November, he did not know how to check his email. So you think, hello, 2020 friends, if this was a video game, they would know everything or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever it is. But when it comes to school, no idea how to do this, but, um, no, they do, they do really well for the most part. And I don't have as many students. I, I, I'm a music teacher and that's why I'm on here just to see if there's anything I can learn for that. And what I end up doing is giving them kind of a menu of things to work on. And then I actually video feedback for every student, but I don't have daily assignments. It's more like once a week, maybe twice a week. So that's, that's how I handle it. I don't know how the WhatsApp thing would work. That sounds like an incredible amount of work. All right. Well, part of working from home is dealing with children too. So I'll do that now. Um, I, uh, we started out without WhatsApp. Uh, we have the individualized curriculum, and so that's um, a lot of a lot of individual stuff, uh, which is, I guess, easier to deal with. We have started with the texting. I found that a lot of our teachers just moved to Zoom just to talk, um, phone call or Zoom, because it just was too hard to do too much typing like that. Um, the one classroom is our fourth through sixth classroom that is just uh, working the hardest, and they. Um, we have three teachers working on that. So the homeroom teacher plus the other two is helping them succeed there. So it is a lot of work, um, but that's that's what we've been doing. Franklin, you can uh, go ahead and ask your questions as well as um, sell us on your um, music curriculum that you're trying to promote. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to promote anything. I'm here. I'm here to get answers um but i i do think um in 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 this whole thing we we forget how hard it is for kids and um especially with something like the the arts or anything like that they get very very self-conscious when you put a camera in front of them um mm -hmm. so i've had some success with giving kind of a, a smorgasbord, mm -hmm. maybe four options they can choose and um, just grading it pass fail. So if you do, I don't care how bad or how out of tune you are. If you're singing at home, awesome. Um, and you answer the question. So I'd have like, you know, prompts for them to think about their assignment and, and how, to, how do you know if you learn something from it? How can you extend the experience? That kind of thing. Why did you choose this particular one? And some of the, I've had some really cool ones. Uh, my latest one was uh, do uh, something where music is in your everyday life and with your family. A lot of times we, we think that like school has to fill some sort of void for them. And like, oh my, they're missing their choir family or their music family. What are we gonna do to keep this? No, their family is right there at home and they need to be singing with them and uh, Regina Brubaker kind of inspired me on this. And so I've got amazing, amazing videos. I told them, I don't care how bad it is. I want you, you just sing. This is not a performance. This is you singing at home with your family. And I mean, they're, they're feeding their goats and singing and kids that 
barely sing outside of school are sweeping the floor and singing. Granted, it's the same spot in the floor, but they're having fun doing it. Like, um, so I've really enjoyed that side of it. Um, and kids have gotten, they know how to upload to YouTube. They know how to use like acapella maker and that kind of thing. Um, so it's not that hard. It just takes someone to do it. And the kids aren't bogged down for the most part with an arts assignment. They actually really enjoy it and they get to take time and do whatever they want to with it. So I think often we're like, oh my goodness, core four, we got to get that in. And we do have to get that in. But sometimes some of the extra stuff, if you could make it optional, I didn't even know I was going to sell this, Austin. Now no, you, you gave me the idea. Um, if we make it optional and don't set the bar so high that they're scared to try it, they'll do awesome work. I'm getting better work in some cases than I would if they were at school every day. Um, so that's, that's a success that I think um, I can share. And as, as far as questions go, it would be kind of like along what you're saying, Steve, you know, how do you give good constructive feedback? Because videoing a four minute, three minute response for every kid uploading it, sending the link takes forever. Um, but they really, really appreciate it if you can do that. I have the luxury of not being slammed. You know, I don't have to get through a math book necessarily. I'm just glad that they're singing at home and or, or making music of some sort. So that's, yeah, how do you, give constructive feedback and uh, be part cheerleader, part hold their feet to the fire is, and I'm sure everybody's trying to figure this out, but that, that would be my kind of question. I don't know that it's the right answer, but I have been simply um, working with those who are excited about working. And I just say those who aren't, this is a, it's a very, um, it's a very unique time. So I'm just going to let those who don't really, want to um, succeed, not succeed. And that seems maybe like giving up, but I think it has been really energizing for our, our teachers to work on, work with those who really want to work. Um, and it's just, we have a, a, a great number of, of students who have even completed the work for the year just because they just wanted them to go for it. I, I would say maybe on the, the last question, I've had some good success with getting parents on board with letting them know that their kid is struggling and and not getting assignments in um because i i do think i understand where you're saying from working with those that are having success but i also know that there's a guilt complex that's going on with the kids who aren't doing their work and mm -hmm. and think that you know they know they should be but you know they they don't have that motivation and i think it's especially true of the ones that are social butterflies the ones that come to school um, and learn because they can be with their friends. And those are the ones that I'm finding are struggling. But in the end, their parents know that they will be happier if they're actually doing, you know, a little bit of what they're supposed to be doing every day. And so I've found that just having, you know, opening that conversation with the parents um, really gets some good buy-in on the motivation level. Um, my question was, is probably not for this group, but I was intrigued by Josh's comment about synchronous um, working better because that's kind of flies in the face of what I've been reading about um, distance education and synchronous versus asynchronous. So um, 
I sense that most of us are doing mostly asynchronous, so we're probably the wrong group for this. Um, but I, I'm intrigued by his comment about synchronous being what's working best for him. So I want to do a lightning round real quick and hear from each group leader uh, on anything that came to the top, uh, questions or exciting ideas. Um, and then I would like to open the floor for response to if you haven't read Jonas's um, letter then there's not much you can share with that it's kind of a, a nice long read but very thought-provoking um, and let's we'll, we'll spend some time responding to that okay so we talked briefly about um, some of the formats for how to integrate um, schooling from at home some of the things that came up is they've used Microsoft 365 WhatsApp Google Slides Zoom in some cases, schools have had to cut back on some work a little bit just because the parents felt like the load was a little heavy. Um, and a question that we discussed is, will this uh, create an uptake on in support for the schools or will this make parents want to say, I want to go homeschool all the way? The last point that I made about support for school, I think I'm excited about for the way that we as the school have been able to integrate and show the parents a little more how we work and become real team members with them in educating their children. Sometimes we say that we as educators, we as a school, we're here to support the parents in educating their children and discipling them for Christ. And, and this is bringing it to a reality because we're having to communicate on a more regular basis. And I'm excited to see that connection. From the Jonas article, a couple of the guys said that, you know, what is it, is it that serious? Will things change that much? Um, we, we obviously don't have the 70 years of experience, uh, but yeah, we were, we're wondering. So there was a little bit of a, I think the one guy said it like a yikes factor with that uh, when you read the article. And some of the good things that have been good to see was the parents getting into the schooling and the, inner, the, the parents helping out. That's, that's been a positive cohesion of the staff, uh, staff working together, uh, you know, pulling together in ways that they didn't have to before. Also, uh, when it comes to condensing your teaching from 45 minutes down to a five to 10 minute video, well then you kind of have to clarify what you're trying to say. So it has brought some clarity. That's one of the good things that came out of this, clarity in your lesson preparation. And uh, the other positive was uh, some of the things that uh, some of the schools were doing with uh, online spirit weeks or, or that's one one school called it but i guess there's other people doing different variations on it where they post picture of every kid with their pet or uh wacky workout and uh every kid shows themselves doing some sort of wacky workout and uh, or doing a random talent and uh yeah that's that's pretty much a summary of what we talked about in our group uh, we had spoken about uh, much of the similar things to what's been mentioned, so I won't won't take a lot of time. Uh, but one of the things that was mentioned was Zoom meetings also, even for the little people to uh, kind of establish that connection if they're not getting in uh, Zoom meetings for, you know, regularly like the, the high schoolers might be. Uh, we also, you know, discussed kind of our approach to wanting to bring some closure to the year. So whenever this blows over, uh, getting our kids uh, in classes and in the high school back together uh, to bring some sort of closure to this, you know, this year that we're we're in. As far as kind of what we're excited about, uh, 
I think a lot of us that, you know, uh, we've learned some new tools, you know, things that we've kind of been forced into using uh, that are now kind of tools in the toolbox that can be drawn on, even if we, you know, if and when we return to normal and pursuit of a flipped classroom, you know, or whatever. Uh, I don't, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about Jonas's article, uh, really register with me, uh, you know, who knows, I don't see the future, uh, but it, you know, it got my mind kind of going, uh, but I'm not sure, you know, quite have time to develop that. Our group, we uh, tried to highlight some good things and it's maybe a little challenging to find good things in this situation, but um, good conversations between teacher and student were mentioned, um, phone conversations or, or video meetings, um, having people examine the eternal values, um, students taking ownership of projects and taking initiative to learn. Um, I've seen an uptick in that and I think uh, others maybe confirm that. Um, we also thought a little bit about, uh, I think it was already mentioned here, but bringing closure to the school year and how we might do that. I don't know that we have any definite answers for that, but uh, definitely that it was a good idea to have a, a summer picnic or um, some kind of, let's try to do grad postponed or something to, to wrap up this year in a good way and not just let it peter out. So those are a couple of things we talked about. Um, summary from our group was, uh, the question of how does the WhatsApp texting scoring thing work? Um, is anyone being successful with that? Because we weren't, uh, it is a lot of work and it's just um, kind of difficult to get done. Uh, so just wondering if anybody has input on that question, um, is anybody having some, some good success using texting or WhatsApp or that kind of messaging to grade student work? Um, so. If anybody has an answer to that question, we'd love to hear it. Um, the other question that we had um, for the group or from the group was the uh, what Josh brought up about the um, synchronous learning um, being better, um, or I don't forget how you worded that. Uh, it feels like asynchronous learning is what's working for those of us that were in our group. And I'm, I guess I would like to hear some clarification, Josh, on whether that was uh, better for you or better for the students? I was saying, I don't think I have, you know, strong feelings on it. I think from my experience, if we were going to, uh, you know, roll this out again in November because we have another flare up of, of COVID, I think I would probably push a little bit more the asynchronous kind of model in order to kind of retain a sense of community. Uh, that sent, you know, a, a little bit, uh, I think there's perhaps be a little more accountability uh, around, you know, the work, uh, but without making a commitment to go uh, completely synchronous, uh, you know, there, so I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't have a, I, you know, I, I think for me, it's worked better, the synchronous, I felt like has worked better. The accountability has been a little easier. Uh, like I said, I've been recording them anyway and sending out the links for a few that you know had jobs or whatever. But I think it'd probably be a, we might push that way a little bit more. On the WhatsApp question, anybody have input on that one? But I I have my aides manage that you know process. We're fortunate enough to have a number of aides, and they meet you know they're not planning lessons anyway, so they they wade through the floods of emails, categorizing, grading, and this sort of thing. 
With uh, four minutes on the clock to our hour here, I just want to give a quick overview of what um, Jonas's article was. There's a whole, there's a huge range of different um, possibilities here and what, what it looks like, um, both in school size, whether you have AIDS or not, whether you're using uh, technology or, or paper, just a whole bunch of different things. And um, I think for me personally, um, being nine years in the educational field for Anabaptist schools is, is a long time. And I think that's kind of a shame that that's a long time uh, for us. And I'm uh, really excited um, to know that uh, Jonas has been at this for so long. He's watched the Christian school movement grow, the Anabaptist Christian school movement grow as well. And um, hearing his voice on this really does matter. Um, talking with him about how that, um, uh, he said he's he's watching some of these distinctions and he's still thinking about what that looks like and I wants to share at some point in more writing. Um, but one of the things that he asked for in this write-up is the question: um, What it what does it mean to um, to do this school, kind of schooling well? What is our goal as a schools and are are we um, doing it well? And um, one of the things that he called for in this in this is that there could be, like Josh said here, um, a another flare up anytime. This kind of thing could could greet us at any time, and we need to be more prepared on how to handle these things. And he's asking for that with the understanding of the fact that there are a lot of um, there's different camps in how you how you go about things. There's the um, asynchronous synchronous model that we talked about, a whole bunch of different things there. So one of the things that he spoke of here was um, the need for our schools to think about, now I'm not finding it, but basically he said, I'm not sure exactly what what our um, call should be here, what, what our what right way forward is, but he talked about the idea of being storied. That's the word he thought of. And um, so as we think about this discussion, I want to think about, I want to turn to Josh first. You said it really resonated with him and give him some time to talk into it. What what could it look like? Uh, what could it mean for us to um, think about these things? Go ahead, Josh, and speak to us about what what you took away from this article. I think the reason it, it resonated with me is uh, I'm suspicious that he, he might be right. You know, I hope that life goes back to normal. Um, and yet there's a, a piece of me that that wonders, you know, what's going to happen next fall uh, or, you know, next winter. And time will tell. Uh, but, you know, there's even a larger question. You know, we've we've employed this kind of model of schooling and Jonas talks about it for the last 50, 60 years here in the Christian school world. And I hear him kind of opening up some questions, you know, is there a way to, to kind of, you know, come up with a schooling at home model that, you know, that works well. I'm always drawn to the people that are thinking outside of the box and are looking to shift paradigm as it were. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it really kind of got my wheels turning, you know, if we do this again, uh, you know, what does it look like? 
you know, how, how could it work? Uh, you know, what does a community align like that look like? You know, what are, are there capital implications with regard to, you know, how much building space is needed? So, so a lot of those, I don't really have a, a clear picture. It's just kind of got my wheels turning as he, you know, sent that out and, uh, you know, asking the questions that he's asking. And kind of laying out the vision, you know, in our small group, uh, Dwight had mentioned and uh, you know, that his his wife, as a as a homeschool mother, feels like in some ways the school at home option maybe is is you know is even harder than homeschooling and couldn't work because it's kind of like you're implementing someone else's plans, right? It's like the teacher sends you the learning plans and then the parent tries to implement it. So, you know, I'm sure there's challenges like that uh, to it, but uh, just really got my wheel spinning as to what, you know, someone that's a community that's willing to think outside the box, what could this look like? And, you know, could, could we create another paradigm that is really kind of efficient, cost-effective, breeds that tighter partnership with the community and it works well, you know, for, uh, you know, for student learning. All right. Um, thank you for that. Anybody else have um, something that they're thinking about? I think as school leaders, we kind of have um, three years ago or so at the um, administrators conference, we had a discussion about the managing leaders versus the visionary leaders. Um, and we realized that there's there are some people who just really love the idea of thinking outside the box and some who really don't. So um uh, I'm experiencing that in my leadership team between my principal and I, and we have, um, I'm the visionary guy here. Um, when I took over from my dad, I thought I was the manager and he was the visionary and I found out he's still, still here. So, <laughs> um, anybody else who's, who's had time to read over it, if you didn't, if you just seen it now, may didn't have much time to respond, but anybody who's had time to read over it and has been thinking and has any thoughts that that would be helpful for the group. I'm thinking about the possibilities here. And even before this, I had been uh, thinking about this thing called hybrid homeschooling, which seems to be um, gaining traction in America. I just did a Google search a while back and there's a Forbes magazine article about it um, with the idea that students are at school like two to three days a week and they're at home the other, the other days. And the cost for parents is about half of normal tuition and, you know, there's people that really like it. Um, and so I'm just, I've been wondering if that's a model that we should be thinking about here, um, you know, even before this crisis came. So uh, it's something I want to, I want to look at some more and be interested in, and hashing with some people sometime. Dwight, you want to talk to us about, um, you shared in your small group already a little bit about uh, what it's like to be a school leader and and a homeschool father or however that works uh, yeah I would be glad to give a few words there um, but maybe before that just philosophically I think maybe it is God's grace to sometimes shake us to a level where we can't really retreat into the old box very quickly or easily um, I think in a lot of ways, maybe education has kind of developed into an almost unexaminable box. 
And I think in some ways that's not the healthiest structure or model. And so I think this is a really useful time for us to give pause and, and fresh examination to other possibilities. Um, and I've taught in both public and private schools over the years. And uh, in both of those fronts, I think probably perplexed a lot of people as to how I could or should be homeschooling while also uh, teaching within the school system. And uh, I'm not going to try to give an explanation for that at this moment. But um, um, yeah, in some ways I'm kind of being a dual principal right now in the same building uh, with, we have uh, three of our biological children here. Uh, and then we also have two children from our school who are with us. Uh, during this season. And so um, my wife is trying to do both platforms, uh, platforms simultaneously. And uh, so uh, she has gained fresh, I think, understanding and sympathy for, for those who are doing the at-home schooling because she says it is, she, find, she perceives it to be significantly harder journey. Um, but uh, for me, it is fun to see both platforms. And I think there could be uh, some hybrids uh, possible out there if, if we had space for them. And I think maybe they might serve maybe more people, possibly. Uh, but just I haven't developed any of those personally in my mind. But uh, I do think this is a good season uh, that would be worth embracing. Um, and asking God how he would want to use this to actually take us to new and better places rather than just seeking the old norm and, and trying to force ourselves back into the old norm. Just a, a question. I'm thinking about the, uh, the digital learning, the, the, yeah, we're forced into this mold now. And I have not read um, Jonas's article other than a brief survey in the last couple minutes. I'm wondering how the the reality that we're facing now with some of what he's talking about and what was discussed here and schooling at home and digitally meshes with the traditional, with the high value that Anabaptists have placed on face-to-face -face teaching and face-to-face -face interactions and um, community. And I hear some people talking about online ways that they're trying to maintain that. But I'm wondering how moving forward with some of these things would affect that. I'd like to speak to that a little bit, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, not included in some of these discussions. Usually I'm not a teacher. Um, I'm the chairman of the school board for Shaperstown Mennonite High School um, and have been involved there since it began uh, five years ago. Um, but I work in the IT field, um, so information technology, computers, networking, uh, software. So when this thing came along, um, it was very easy for me to push our staff into certain tools. Like, here's something we've been using in the IT field for years. Go, go use it. Um, and so it, 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 that's a comfortable space for me to be in. Um, where I where I struggle with it a lot is um, businesses 
big businesses that have been promoting work from home for years are struggling with that cohesion that that face in-person value brings. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, a lot of companies pay big money to have conferences where they bring all of their staff to retreat for a weekend or a week or something like that to try to rally the troops and to do those things. Um, you wouldn't have to do that if you had everybody working from the same facility at the same time. Um, so there's, there's, there's pros and cons to that. But um, from a technological standpoint, what Jonas is talking about, this hybrid thing, it's doable, it's possible. We have the technology to do it. Um, even in just, you know, I, I heard people talking about, well, how are you handling the WhatsApp grading and you know, texting and things like that. And um, I don't know exactly how Google Classrooms works as far as those of you here using it. I operate a lot in the Microsoft Office, or Office 365 space with um, uh, Teams and Teams for Education. Their forms, you can create forms that are graded for you. Um, you build a form, you put the uh, answers in, and, and they actually, when they're returned, when they're turned in, you get a grade. It's right there. It's part of the, it's part of the whole system. Um, so for those of you that haven't, I guess my encouragement would be for you to get your, your administration to start looking at those tools and employing the proper tools if you haven't already for those those things um, whatsapp is not designed for for distance learning uh, texting is not designed for distance learning even email is not designed for distance learning um, it's worked we've put it to work we've made it work we've done all these things uh, my kindergartner enjoys getting his recorded story time um, from his teacher so that, those things all work, and that's a WhatsApp thing. But for real learning, for a long-term thing, it seems like um, both stress for teachers, um, proper organization within a unit, bringing things that are manageable and bringing them together. You need to find a platform that works, is somewhat integrated, and, and can both be a distribution point of things and a collection point. Of, of homework and things like that. So um, I don't know if that helps anyone's, but that's just been my observation. As far as the 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 letter that, that Jonas wrote, um, and I agree with what everyone said, for someone with his experience, it's hard to dispute some of that. And I think it I think things will look a lot different. Um, and can look a lot different. We I think we can take a step back and learn a lot from it. Um, I've been sensing from from our school community, um, both in the elementary school that my students go to and the high school that I'm on the board with and have been getting direct feedback from some patrons. Um, I, th I think there's going to be a fair amount of pushback. Um, and, and I don't know how you deal with that. I, but I think from 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 people who are looking for that traditional learning. Um, that's what they want for their students. I think there will be a fair amount of pushback to, to return things to normal as fast as possible. Now, does that mean that what Jonas said doesn't have any value? No, I think it has a lot of value. I think it's things we need to look at. And, and, and you know, we're starting to look at some things like that. 
um, you know, the question was asked, do we have any more snow days with, with, you know, after an experience like this, um, we have the, the technology in place. Let's just use it. We have a snow day. Let's use it. But there's, there's other things that come into play there. Um, so it's, it's a lot to consider. Um, I would like to think that, that, uh, we can find a, a, a balance and a, and a happy medium. And I like what Dwight shared as far as God using these things to shake us up. And then those boxes aren't as easily to retreat into. And, and that's a, it's a good thought. Um, we need to need to be aware of, of what's going on and, and, the, and the direction that God's leading us in. Yeah. One of our, in our school, one of the three legs that we stand on, we do focus on academics, spiritual character, and the third one is social. And I'm really struggling to know how to teach and build social interactions when students aren't together, when they're not here. Um, and looking at a model moving forward, what does that look like? How can we teach social skills? That's honestly that the weaknesses of homeschooling uh, that we've seen over the last decades is the weaknesses in social skills that we see from those students. Any, any responses, any suggestions on that? In the homeschool scenario, aren't, I mean, usually that, that gap is filled then with, with other things that we don't have right now either. Churches, homeschool groups, uh, other interactions, youth groups. Um, when you have nothing, which is what we have right now, um, it's a much bigger challenge. But I, I agree with you. The social aspect is um, I, my oldest is a freshman. Um, he walks around the house complaining about not having a social life and how a team's meeting is, is his extent of a social life right now. And there's some truth to that, but I mean, we have a close knit family and that we've been spending time with and, and things like that, but social interaction is important for, for kids. Um, how that looks and how that all plays out. Um, yeah. If it's the only reason you send your kids to school, it's the wrong reason. Um, so that's... <laughs> Maybe I would mention one thing in response to the initial question there. I've wondered at times if we as parents have placed too much responsibility on schools, if we've delegated too much to our teachers and our schools, and, which would include teaching social skills. You send your children to school and uh, the teacher does the job. And so I'm wondering, it, the question is still something we have to wrestle with and it's a good question, but I'm wondering if this will push some of the weight back onto parents, which is maybe where it should be. Uh, just a thought. This has been good. And uh, I haven't said anything about Jonas's article too, but I, I this, I raise the same sentiment. I'm like a bit in disbelief, you know, that this kind of thing can happen. And yet I really respect him and look at him as almost like a modern day prophet. And I don't shrug his thoughts off lightly. And so it's, it's really caused me to think so. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time together as, as a group of, of people that are interested in your kingdom, especially as it relates to, to our students and to the families that we serve. I just pray a special blessing on each one as, as we wrap up the school year 
it's very different. And uh, sometimes we don't know which way to turn. We thank you for the wisdom that you've showed us in the past weeks. And uh, we're assured that that will continue and ask God's grace on, on everyone. Just thank you for, for your wisdom and all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. For more free resources that support teaching and learning, visit the docforlearning.org.